0: So let me invite you to take out your message notes. You received them when you came in this morning. And uh, my boys are now in their mid and late 30s. And uh, we started doing message notes 25 and a half years ago when I went to Cape Coral, I pastor church there. And my son, Daniel, uh, whose uh, children, my grandchildren, are here this morning, my son, this is how smart Alec your dad was when he was growing up. He said to me, Dad, I really like those message notes that you give out at church. And I was thinking, my goodness, my son's listening. He said, "Yeah, and I know when you're almost done." So, (laughs) so. all right. So, uh, so I want to continue in this series, heroes of Christmas, and um, you can kind of tell that I'm a bit hobbled this morning. And on December first, I had a total left knee replacement, and so I've been in recovery and. For a person who's like me, I'm an extrovert, I'm a type A, if you know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 3 performer, Um, and I like to do all things fast. Anybody? Bunch of liars in church. Yeah. yeah. So this past Thanksgiving, um, Cheryl and I celebrated uh, 40 years of marriage. Um, We met in youth group here at Pine Castle, Uh, we used to meet on this side, and um, stood right here, or yeah, right about there I guess uh, before Uncle Charlie and Pastor Yates and we made vows to one another and uh, we were there with about 500 of our closest friends from this church and over the decades of being married Cheryl and I have kind of settled on who does what it's only taken us four decades but we got it figured out who does what and one of my jobs one of my assignments uh, is to buy Christmas gifts and because this year I'm hobbled this is my new best friend Because this year I'm hobbled. Uh, I did most of the ordering from my recliner on my iPhone. And you know how it works, right? Uh, You get the lists from everybody, and and then you just start shopping. Thank God for Amazon Prime. It's almost of Jesus, right? And so, you know, you just sit there, and you you order. You get what you want. You put it in the cart. You assign the right address, and you get it all figured out as to when it's going to get delivered. And so I did that over and over and over again, and every once in a while, I'd put something in a cart, and I'd press send, go, submit, whatever, and it would take all of about 10 or 15 seconds for it to finish. And this preacher found himself cussing at his phone, right? Why is it taking so long? Yeah. Maybe you're an addict like me. They actually have a name for this. It's actually a disease. It's actually a disease. It's called hurry sickness. And if you don't know if you have hurry sickness, I'm going to give you a test this morning to help you figure out whether you have hurry sickness. And so here's what I want you to do. This is called an honest inventory for yourself. You're not doing this for your spouse if you're married, all right? Little inventory. If you're at a stoplight or you're approaching a stoplight, do you count the number of cars in the lane to figure out which will be the fast lane and then get in it? (laughs) Anybody? All right. When you're going to check out at the grocery store, do you count the number of items of the, in the cart of the people in front of you? Come on now, no lying in church, right? Okay, if that's you, then you might have a little bit of hurry. Do you find yourself standing impatiently in front of the microwave while you're popping a three-minute bag of popcorn, anxious that it's not going fast enough? Well, if you answered yes to these or any of these questions, one or any of these questions, then my suggestion is to you that you might have some hurry sickness. And that's why I think one of the the traits we need to learn as humans, much less followers of Jesus, is waiting. Say waiting. Waiting, waiting. waiting. I think of this little-known person that was mentioned to us earlier in the kid's sermon, Simeon. Uh, The story is found in Luke chapter 2, uh, 22 through 35. It's not often read. It's a good text to read. So let's read it. It's uh, on the screen. I'll read it for you. Let me read it for you. It's a couple of verses here. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem, him, Jesus, to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Kind of what we did today with Carmen. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves and or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Say, Simeon. Simeon, who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Now the father's the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And how'd you like this at your child's dedication? And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, This man, Simeon, was a faithful man of God, and he had been waiting. Say waiting again. Waiting. He had been waiting his whole life to see the the Lord's Messiah. And so in this story, what I want to try to answer this morning is a very simple question. In keeping with the series that we've been on, uh, how can I face delay with expectancy? How can I face delay with expectancy? How can we learn to wait, if you will, God's way? And I think Simeon serves for us as an exemplary model for us to consider about how do we learn to wait patiently? How do we learn to wait expectantly? So uh, 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 four things I want to share with you uh, this morning. Number one, change my thinking. Say that with me. Change my thinking. See, by changing your thinking, I'm speaking of the way we think about time. Now, uh, I'm a student of the biblical languages, Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek. And uh, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, there are two Greek words that get translated time. You know, there's four words for love, there's two words for time in the New Testament. The first word is the word chronos. It's what some of you are paying attention to right now. It's called your watch. Chronology, right? Right. It's the sweeping of the hand. It's waiting. It's what we do when we stand in line at Publix. It's like, when will this thing get over? with? And for a lot of us, that's the only way we think about time. But the New Testament has another word that's used to talk about time. It's the word kairos. And the word kairos speaks of time not as the sweeping of the clock's hand, but it speaks of chrono, or Kairos, speaks of time that is pregnant with possibility. And see, Simeon lived his life with Kairos time. He was expectant that the Messiah would come. God had made him a promise. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Uh, it's it's uh, on the screen. So I want us to read this together. Back home, I do that so I know if my people are awake. All right, ready, go. In Jerusalem at the time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. See, Simeon lived with prayerful expectancy. He lived with a different understanding of time than most of us have. Than most of us have when we're in Orlando traffic. I my blood pressure went up when I drove into town yesterday. My goodness, I'm getting back to Southwest Florida this afternoon. Too many cars here. And we know what that's like, right? Now, how do you think about time? Is time your enemy? Or is time filled with pregnant possibility? You see, if you walk with Jesus, you don't have to live your life for the weekend. It doesn't have to be waiting for the weekend. See, if you live this way, you're robbing yourself of the rich possibilities that God has for you the other five days a week. You see, the Bible is filled with stories of men and women who were given promises by God with no promise of when that promise would be fulfilled. Let me give you just a a couple that you may know of. Sarah, mind you, was 90, thank you, Jesus, when she was told she'd have a son. Joseph was given a dream by God that he'd be the mighty ruler, and it took decades before he became the second in command in Egypt. The story of the 16-year-old David, who had been told by the prophet Samuel that he would be the king of Israel, he had to wait 14 years until that promise came true. And think about Jesus whom we celebrate. Jesus, who had been told even when he was in his mother's womb that he would be the Messiah, waited until he was 30, until he could live into his possibility. Here's what the Bible says. 2 Peter verse 3, or chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow. Say, not slow. He is not slow in keeping his promise, as some people understand slowness. So we need to learn to rethink time, to see time as being filled with God's possibility. Here's the second way. The second way that we see modeled uh, by Simeon is to check my guidance system. Check my guidance system. Say that with me. Check my guidance system. So let me ask you a question this morning. Who or what guides your life? Who or what is it that leads your life? Who or what is it? Think, now think about it the most. For, for most of us, let's be honest, even if we know Jesus today, even if we say we're spirit-filled today, for most of us, what guides our life is our feelings. And have you discovered with me that feelings are fickle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we, we get driven by our feelings, and if you're led by your feelings, the truth is you won't have stick to itness. You won't stick to your marriage. Been married forty years. Cheryl is darn near perfect, but she ain't perfect. <laughs> Don't even get to talk about me. Our feelings, feelings are fickle. You won't stay committed to your prayer life, your walk with Jesus, if the guidance system of your life is your feelings. But notice with me about Simeon again. He serves as our model for what it means to wait expectantly. Now look at verses twenty-five through twenty-seven. And And I want you to note with me how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. The Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, guided by the Spirit Simeon, and then it goes on. So how many times? I, I thought this was Pinecastle Church. I thought people talked back to you. <laughs> okay? I well, thought this is a Mettecostal church, back, at least it used to be. All right. How many times did Jesus did the Spirit mention here? Three times. Thank you. Thank you. Wake up there. Three times. Three times. So the Spirit was Simeon's guidance system while he waited. It was the Spirit of God. So if you're a Christian this morning, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Him, if you've placed your faith in Jesus today, then you have the Spirit of God within you. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is resident in you. And the Spirit, not your feelings, wants to guide you. And yet what happens for many of us, for many of us we're kind of afraid of the Holy Spirit because we've seen excesses. I, I saw this, uh, read this article about these two sisters that were arrested for driving naked in a stolen car covered in mustard. And when the police officers pulled them over, they said, the Spirit told us to. And they said, well, tell us what. They said, well, we read that Adam and Eve were naked. And we read about having the faith of a mustard seed. They had no answer for the stolen car. (laughs) A little excessive. Not talking about that. Because let me just say, for a lot of folks, they think that the Holy Spirit's only speaking when the Spirit asks you to do things that are weird. And that's not life. You know when the Spirit is speaking to you? It's when you're watching the morning news and it's full of bad news. And and you want to allow what you're hearing on the morning news. I don't care whether you listen to Fox News or CNN. I don't care. Bipartisan person here. And you're allowing what you're hearing on the TV to determine how you're going to act and respond to people that day. Let me just tell you that in the church of Jesus, there is no place for meanness. Meanness is not a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to be kind. Jesus said, love your enemy. He had the audacity to say, love your enemy. And that means loving people who vote differently than you. Who believe differently than you do. So are you being guided by the Spirit? How, do, how, how, how How do you get guided by the Holy Spirit? Pretty simple. Every day when you wake up, when your feet hit the ground, say, Holy Spirit, guide me. You walk with Jesus by faith. You walk with the Spirit by faith. Galatians 5, 25, Paul put it this way. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow. That means we've got to be listening. Let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So Simeon was guided by the Spirit, and so can you. Third lesson. Third lesson we learned from Simeon. Okay, here it goes. Continue my discipline. Say that with me. Continue my discipline. So uh, read with me uh, verse 27. Ready, go. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. Don't let that little detail get past you. Don't let the simplicity of this little verse get past you. Notice its richness. Where did Simeon go? He went into the? To the temple. He went into the temple. This is what I would call his holy habit. This was his discipline. He practiced what Mr. Wesley, we're a part of his stream, called the means of grace. It means that he regularly went into the temple to worship. It was his discipline. Now here's what I want us to remember this morning. The same Jesus who said to his disciples at the beginning of his ministry, come and follow me three years later in the upper room, before he's getting ready to go to the cross, said to those same disciples, abide in me. And a lot of us want to hear the first part of Jesus' invitation. Follow me. But we're not so much about this abiding stuff. Remain with me. Jesus doesn't simply say to you to follow him. That's salvation. Jesus says, abide in me. That's sanctification that's becoming more and more like jesus so i want to take just a few minutes and because i'm passionate about this and i want to talk with you about three ways in which you can abide in jesus and the first is you got to have a set aside people say people you got to have some people in your life when you read john 15 this vine and the branches teaching of jesus you read the word you in the english and you think he's talking to you as an individual But when you read it in the Greek language, the word you there... Well, this is the way we say it in the South. It's the word y'all. It's in the plural. When Jesus says, I am the vine, he says, y'all's the branches. We need one another. We need one another. Because I've discovered, after 43 years of walking with Jesus, what Jacob discovered when he looked into the face of his brother Esau... That to look into the face of someone else is often to see the very face of God. I've been a part of the same men's group for 25 years. We meet Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. And I see the face of God every Tuesday morning after my first cup of coffee. (laughs) you got to have a set-aside people, do you have it? Number two, you need a set-aside place. Say place. So you need a people, people, and a? A people and a place. You need a place. So remember after Jesus was baptized and he heard, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It said that Jesus immediately went off to the desert. It's an interesting word. Again, I love Greek words. And this Greek word is the word eramos. Say that with me. Eramos. Now you can brag to your friends tomorrow. You know a Greek word. Eramos. It's a word that can be translated desert, deserted place, desolate place, solitary place, lonely place, quiet place, or wilderness. In an excellent new book that's been written, I highly commit it to you, by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Ouch, it hurts, I promise you. He says in this book that he thought for years that the desert was a place of weakness. That Jesus went into the desert as a place of weakness because it was there that he was tempted by the devil. But he said he realized he was wrong because the desert wasn't a place of weakness, it was a place of strength. You see, Eramos was the place where Jesus went to be with his father. Over and over again, you read in the New Testament that Jesus went to the desert, to the wilderness, to be with his father in prayer. It was his place of intimacy. As a matter of fact, in the, in the story of Jesus going in Matthew and in Mark uh, and in Luke, the story, Jesus, it says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit led Jesus to a place where he could connect with intimacy with his fathers over and over again. I counted it 32 times in the Gospels. So do you have your Eremos place? Remember, Simeon had this discipline. He went to the Do you have your Eremos place? The, The third thing is I not only need a people and a place, I need a period. Say, Period i need some time i need to set aside some time here's what the bible makes the bible makes this audacious claim in the very first chapter and it says that the almighty god rested ever thought about that god needs a day off and the theme of rest continues you get to the second book of the Bible, God's people are enslaved in the book of Exodus. God's people are enslaved in Egypt. Now let me tell you a little bit about Egypt that you probably don't know. When God sends Moses to rescue the Hebrew people, they, what was their life like? Well, day after day, month after month, they did nothing but work because they were slaves. See, historians tell us that the Egyptian calendar is made up of 36 10-day weeks plus five extra days. To match the solar calendar, slaves worked 10 days, and then guess what they did? They worked 10 more days, and then guess what they did? They worked 10 more days, day after day after day, with no day off. This was the work schedule made for slaves. Sounds like us. And, and Moses had delivered God's people from Egypt slavery, and now they're making their way into the wilderness. You see, because under Pharaoh's leadership, They were nothing but units of work. But under the lordship of Yahweh, over and over again, you read in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you read over and over again that God calls his people not units of work, but his treasured possession. And when you work all the time, when you never slow down, when you resist when you don't resist hurry, you live as a unit of work, not as a treasured possession. God believed it so much that He gave us his top 10 list. You remember the Ten Commandments? First three of the commandments go home and read it today have to do with loving God. The last six have to do with loving your neighbor. And what's the hinge one? Number four. The longest is the command to Sabbath. And Sabbath simply means to rest. You see, for God's people who had lived for more than 300 years enslaved in Egypt and they worked every day, the idea of a regular rhythm of working and resting was profoundly radical. And can I suggest to you that it is today today? That followers of Jesus ought to be Sabbath keepers. And it's anarchy to our culture of endless work. It's throwing off the shackles that seek to imprison us in this endless sequence of nonstop activity. Yet hurry, hurry is the idol of our culture. We value speed. And yet our world needs to hear this biblical imperative to slow down and to rest. To choose being over doing. When you do this, you create space in your soul for it to, to love God well, to love yourself well, so that in turn, you can love your neighbor well. And our ministry for God flows from the life of abiding as a follower of Jesus. And sadly for me, for the first 35 years of my ministry, I lived as a unit of work, but no more. I have thrown off the shackles of endless work, and I won't do it for anyone. Do you have a set-aside period to be with Jesus? You remember the old Vince Lombardi story? Green Bay Packers were getting killed. He gathered with the guys at halftime. He held up a football, and he said, boys, we're going back to the basics. This is a football. (laughs) Having people in your life, set-aside period in your life, a set-aside place in your life, is basic, Colossians two six and seven. My counsel for you is simple, straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Christ Jesus the Master. Now live in Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject. Start living it. I love that translation. A lot of us, when it comes to the Christian life, we're still studying. And we need to be living. Live the Sabbath. Now, which is a fourth thing, which if my son were here, it says, good, dad's almost done. <laughs> Number four, uh, choose to praise God. This one won't be as long as that last one. Choose to praise God. You see, Simeon had waited all these years to see the deliverer. He'd waited all these years to see the Messiah. And in his hands, he's holding baby Jesus. And what does he do when he holds baby Jesus? Well, look at verse 28. Simeon took him, Jesus, in his arms, and he what? He praised God. He praised God. Simeon was a worshiper. He held Jesus in his arms, and he offered to God the praise and adoration that God alone is due. One of the things I learned in my early days here at Pine Castle Church is that praising God is a choice. Pastor Yates taught me that. I used to think that somehow the Holy Spirit would mysteriously raise my hand, and that's not what Scripture says. The the scripture says lift your hands. The scripture says sing with joy. The scripture says be a worshiper. And the Bible reminds us that everything should praise God. Look at the last psalm, Psalm 50, verse 6. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. You see, everything in creation and that everything includes you is invited to be a worshiper. Because when we worship, it brings perspective to waiting. So let me end with this. Forty-three years ago, and a half years ago, I wandered into this church and I sat on that fourth row on that seat right there where that handsome gentleman is, 43 and a half years ago. And 43 and a half years ago, my walk with God could be described as, I'd come in here to worship. I'd love it. I'd listen to Pastor Yates preach. I loved it. I'd take notes. I'd go to youth group on Sunday nights. We'd gather here for Bible study in small groups. We'd gather here for a large worship service. I'd love it. And then I would drink and drug Monday through Saturday. And then I'd come back on Sunday, and I'd cry my eyes out at this altar. And yet there was something fresh and new. I was not a perfect Christian. The day I accepted Jesus in my parents' living room, I smoked a joint to celebrate the fact that I had become a Christian. That's how much of a pagan I was. And Forty-three and a half and a half years later, 43 and a half years later, Jesus has changed my life. And his promises, listen to me, are yes and amen. And so for the last year and a half, the Spirit of God has been whispering to me in my quiet time when I get alone from Him, with Him. And He keeps telling me to go back. and To go back to that lifestyle? No, no. To go back to the simplicity of what it meant to follow Jesus. I've become a big fan of Maverick City worship. It's my favorite. you haven't listened to their Christmas album crushes they have a song it's become one of my favorites and I want to read to you just a few verses called take me back I think about the kid that sat in that seat right there I remember when I was young and your voice shouting loud my name and since that moment I haven't heard it quite that way well now that I'm older could you say it again I remember when I was afraid and and oh, the hand I felt that way and for the first time in my life I felt safe. Well now God, now that I'm older would you lead me again? Oh, when the storm is out of the ocean and the violent winds get blowing oh, take me back back all the way back oh, take me back to my first love. Friends For some of us, we just need to go back to our first love. Let's stand for prayer. So Father, we thank you for the story, the ancient story of Simeon. And for the way that his story is our contemporary story. It's our lesson. Lord, for some of us, we just need to Invite your spirit to change the way we think about time. Not chronos, but kairos time. For for, for some of us, Lord, for some of us, what we're we're longing for, what we we need, is we need you to to help us to uh, develop the kind of discipline that, that we see Simeon represents. For others of us, Lord, We need to learn to worship. Lord, what I know is that we don't wait well, we humans. And so we thank you that you are the God who does way beyond anything we could imagine or ask or even hope for. So God, would you do in us what we cannot do for ourselves? Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being back here, taking me back to where it all began 30, uh, 43 and a half years ago. I thank you, God, for what you have done uh, in my life. And I thank you for the ways in which this church invested in me those decades ago. And I pray, God, that you would invest back into them. I thank you for their pastor, for their staff, their leaders here. I pray your blessing on Pinecastle Church, and I pray, God, that their best days are not behind them, but in front of them. I pray your blessing on us as we leave this place. For we pray this in Jesus' name, everybody Green said, amen. amen. Would you receive the blessing this morning? And now, may the grace and peace and love of the God who loves you most and best, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and keep you all the days of your life. Amen? amen. amen. Love you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you.